Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And today is our first ever summer edition of Friends From Work, which makes us abnormally happy and excited. It has been a long time since our vocal cords have been going through these microphones and into your ears, out of your speakers and we've missed it. We've missed all of you. So welcome to, back to Friends to from Work. Had to brush the dust off the mic here. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Up in the back of the closet. How is your summer holding up, Robbie? Man, uh, strange, you know? Okay, yeah, same. Um, I'm down in, in Texas, still in Austin, and it is not great here in terms of the the pandemic. I'm sure you've seen some of the national coverage. Um so we're we're sort of uh, moving backwards in terms of the reopening plan. Um, so you know, more time than ever to just focus on the important things like uh, podcasting. Absolutely, uh, full confession: we ended our season one in the middle of a pandemic, thinking by this time <laughs> we wouldn't have much to talk about with the pandemic. Unfortunately, <laughs> here we are still talking about it, so that's a bummer. But. Yeah. I'll tell you, and I know our listeners have been, know this already, but I have had the true joy of working all the way through these movies finally with my parents. So we just finished Ragnarok. So I've all the way, oh, wow. all the way through, yeah, until the last two. And I said, you cannot watch them while I'm not there. So now we're saving the last two till I'm maybe back in Michigan in July. But dude, oh, wow. there's just something fun about being able to live vicariously through somebody else who hasn't seen them. Like oh, yeah. we we watched Spider Man Far From Oh sorry, we watched Spider Man Homecoming and when Michael Keaton answered the door, both my parents were like, oh, What? No. <laughs> and it's like, yes, that's why I remember that's such a good reveal. You know what I mean? Like Man. it just reminds you of how good some of these things are. Also, last thing, Black Panther was so much better this time than ever before. Uh, it's it's been thank okay, you. it was good. Thank you. It's gotten better and better and better, but I just really enjoyed it this time. I don't know, through new people's eyes. I don't know. I really liked it. So yeah. I'm not going to put it forth like you, but, you know, it was still fun. Hey, that's fair. That's fair. I, I've had a couple of people reach out to me over the past few weeks uh, that have never done the whole the whole MCU journey. And, yeah, it makes me so excited, even when I'm just walking people through it via text, you know? Yeah. It's a great feeling. 
my last summer update is I have to share with all of our listeners that my wife and I are expecting our first child. We yes. just announced that we are pregnant. So that's exciting. Woo. January 16th. So maybe next season, season two, you might hear a baby crying in the background when I start recording because I have to take the baby to the studio with me. So <laughs> that's the new development for me. All right, let's talk about uh, Spider-Verse. Should we? Okay, let's do it. Yep, let's um, do it. Let's do it. We put out a poll saying, should we review Spider-Man 2 or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse? You all overwhelmingly chose Into the Spider-Verse. Now, yeah, it was like 80, this, mo- this movie is very interesting for me in so many ways. So I have a lot of big picture thoughts. Then we can just go through the movie, you know, small picture, whatever. Sure. One of my first thoughts is this movie to some people to a lot of people is one of the best superhero movies ever. I've read that a lot. I've read that in comics, yeah. uh, comments. I've read that online. So that's that's surprising to me. It's very well done. But that, you know, is an animated movie. So kind of Sony kind of right. came out of left field with this thing and blew us away. So that makes this extra fun. Yeah. My next big thing is going to tie into the movie. So let me just start with this. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse came out in 2018. It has a 97% score on Rotten Tomatoes. And it has a massive cast here. I'm going to read some of them really quickly, and they might not be in order of importance, but I'm just going to blaze through some of these, okay? And I'm going to slaughter some of these names. Just absolutely (laughs) slaughter some of these names. Shamik Moore, Jake Johnson, Mahershala Ali, Zoe Kravitz, Lily Tomlin, Chris Pine, Liev Schreiber, John Mulaney, Haley Steinfeld, Nicolas Cage, amongst others. It's a very large yeah. cast due to the nature of the film. If you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. Right. Um, lastly, it made $375.5 million at the box office. So really, really great movie. Funny to me how it pales in comparison to the Marvel Cinematic Universe money-wise, yeah. financially. Great it's point. not even close to some of the big ones um, from even to Even to like Far From Home. Yeah, right. Once yeah. we got past, I think, like Iron Man 2 and 3, I bet all those movies beat that movie. You know right. what I'm saying? They all were more than that. Um, again, it kind of came out of left field, though. That's what I mean. Like, we didn't expect something this good to be animated and from Sony out of, out of nowhere. Right. And this is where I'll most mess this up. Everywhere you look, it was directed by three people, which I found unique. Um, mm-hmm. Bob... Persichetti? <laughs> Persichetti? Persich- <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's not that's not terrible. And then Peter Ramsey and Rodney Rothman. Yeah. So and then and is, written by Lord Miller, right? Yep. Yep. That is my introduction to Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Do you want to start with a big picture thought? Yeah, I mean, so I, I was just gonna speak to to your point about it coming out of left field. Um I had so little faith in Sony at this point. Um and particularly as it you know Sony as it came to to Spider-Man. Um just because since Spider-Man 3 they had just been putting out some very subpar content. Um the last of which had been Venom, which is where they like advertise into the Spider-Verse. I don't know like the well you haven't seen Venom, but it's like the final scene uh, points to that. So it's just like whenever I was seeing the the commercials and stuff for this, I'm I'm obviously pretty familiar with the like Miles Morales mythology. Um and this was after the video game too, right? So mm-hmm. you know, you were probably already familiar with Miles as well from that. Mm-hmm. Um 
So I went into this with pretty low expectations. I actually mm. wasn't even that interested. I don't really love the Spider-Verse thing. Like it's a comic event Concept. that I wasn't super into. Yeah, like I I love Miles Morales. And to the extent that this movie is about Miles, like I think that's actually where it shines. And I mm-hmm. would love to see the sequel be... I mean, I think the movie does a really great job of, of doing that, even though there's a lot going on. But I say that to say that, like, in the comics, I just never loved the, like, oh, there are all these alternate dimensions with Spider-Man. Because it kind of, like, you and I have talked about this. It sort of cheapens it in some way for me. Mm-hmm. Like, just I don't love that, like, there are all these different versions of everything, and it makes, like, each one matter a little bit less uh, somehow. Yeah. But... Okay, okay. I have a couple big... Hold on. On that thought exactly, I wasn't going to start there. But we've talked about this for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, how I don't want this to happen, right? But that doesn't mean it's not well executed here. And what's interesting to me is I didn't know necessarily that the Spider-Verse was a comic thing. So I'm Mm -hmm. just viewing this as the film itself. And... I kind of like how meta it is because we've talked about how Spider-Man is a unique character. There's been movie iterations. There's been comic iterations. There's been television show iterations. So I kind of like the meta commentary on bringing in all these like almost comical different versions of Spider-Man. Right. So like I don't want this in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but for this movie, it was fun. Well, and that's what I was going to say. I mean, in terms of execution, and we can talk about this on multiple levels, but even that, I mean, the 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 whole like, all right, let's do this one more time bit is just yeah, a, right. it's super self-aware. And yes. so I, I think it like I mean, so for me, this is and I know this is this is bold, but I don't I don't think it's controversial necessarily. I think that this is maybe the closest thing to a perfect movie that I've seen. And, and I don't mean that to say it's like my favorite movie. I just mean like given what it's trying to do and given its audience <laughs> and given like the genre, I've, I don't know that it could have like, I mean, I think that it's one of those that very much earns that score. And again, like this is me not saying you that I love it more than You just came out with movies. an uppercut, like <laughs> swinging to the biggest extent. I just, I'm going to, I'm going to stand by it because this is one of those, this is one of those where like folks that I know that don't respond to Marvel Studios films very well, love this movie, right? And then, like, superhero fans love this movie. And we've talked about that being one of the things that I think uh, uh, Marvel Studios does a good job of pulling a lot of people in as well. But I just think this movie was such a kind of crazy little moment uh, where it's like, if you've seen it, I feel like generally you either really like or love this movie. And I think that's evidenced by the response that we got whenever we put the poll out. It's a tough movie to dislike. I need to set this entire episode up with this preface. If you're just finding our podcast, you maybe don't know this about me yet. I need to just acknowledge this is where I know I'm extremely weird. I'm extremely quirky and I'm in the minority here. You know this, I like my things, right? I really like my things. So what's interesting is we started this summer series with the idea of let's pick matchups that have different versions of similar storylines or characters, right? Like similar characters to match up against each other. 
And we wanted to kind of compare a little bit or contrast and tie in to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. So I want to say this one of all the matchups is probably the hardest one for me to contrast to the Marvel Cinematic Universe for this reason. I love my things so much. And when another similar thing comes along, it's really hard for me to go, oh, that's different and great. And I can like that as much as I like this and that. My brain, right. I know this is weird, instantly goes to, uh-oh, threatening my main thing, threatening my thing, and it makes me not want to like it. It makes me go, no, no, <laughs> this is good, that's okay, I don't need to deal with it, right? So, like, it's weird that way. Right. My wife can go, look, the Spider-Man video game, Spider-Man in the MCU, and Spider-Verse are three separate things. I love them all, I don't need to compare them. For me, I see things like Miles Morales or Peter Parker, and my heart right away goes to, like, the Spider-Man video game. And I, so I started right. thinking like, oh, why is it not that character? Does that make sense? I know it's no, weird, but are you, are you tracking what I'm saying? So I love this movie, but I've had to grow into it because I'm predisposed in my gut to not want it to conflict or compete with my Marvel Cinematic Universe. And so the fact that right. it's like an animated Spider-Man not dealing with any of the characters I know, and it's not dealing with the video game either, which I love as much almost <laughs> as Tom Holland's version, um, <laughs> then I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to like this. So that's my preface right. to everything I'm about to say. So for me, I actually get what you're saying. Um, the fact that it's animated sort of helps that for me. Like it, yes, it puts like, it in okay, a whole different category. It's so different that it's not trying to compete whatever. Right, right. Like I, I would feel... I feel differently, for instance, about like Venom and Deadpool, and we'll kind of deal with those when we get there because those are like live action Marvel character movies. But this one, I feel like, yeah, it's just like in a running on a parallel course. However, you know, there are all of these theories about how this may or may not link in if Marvel does do like, which I mean, they are doing the multiverse to the extent that they have a movie coming out called The Multiverse of Madness. Um, right. So, we'll you know, see. We'll see. If you've listened we'll to our podcast, you know I'm hesitant, but I am excited. <laughs> here's here's one thing that I love about this movie before I kind of get into some of the comic book background stuff. Um, and, and I felt the same way when I was watching Spider-Man 2. Like, even, even when here we're talking about the alternate realities and all of the different um, dimensions and everything, I still think that there's something that works really well about Spider-Man being the only superhero. Like mm. there's some like the whole with great power there must also come great responsibility thing has so much more weight and I say that having like raved about Homecoming and Far From Home and I love Tom Holland's character and I love it because I feel like they incorporated Spider-Man into the existing MCU so smoothly and so well. Mm. But you know what I mean? Like just this idea that it's See, like, that's coming from someone who's got a soft spot for Spider-Man, whereas I true. have a soft spot for the Avengers. So I right. want to see him fit in, but I get what you're saying. With great power comes great responsibility carries less meaning when there's a Thor out there. Right. Right. Like I, I and, and even just the idea that now that Spider-Man, like so to get into the comic book stuff, like this did a really great job of adapting the ultimate Spider-Man comic that introduced Miles Morales in the first place. Um, and I think one of the things that made that really poignant is 
Ultimate Spider-Man started in like 2000 or 99, I think, and ran for like 10 years, um, almost, or, or maybe literally 10 years, with a, a younger kind of high school version of Peter Parker that was super similar to the Tom Holland version. We've kind of talked about that some. Mm-hmm. And then in this like pretty emotional scene, they kill off Spider-Man, like pretty similar to how we have it in, or Peter Parker, sorry, similar to how we have it in the Spider-Verse. And it's like a comic book death that really means something. And that's something else we've talked about, like how in the movies, generally like deaths mean something like in the, in the MCU films, whereas in comics, like people always come back. And so it's like, there's not a lot of, of, a lot of weight attached to that. But I feel like what made the whole mile story so great is it's like, there was this Spider-Man size like gap in this universe. And so miles like, being someone else that has these powers feels like he like has to step up. And I just, I guess what I'm saying is if you are in like the MCU world, I don't know that you have that same kind of, of weight where it's like power vacuum. Right. Right. Um, so I'm saying, yeah, two things there. One, I I think this adapted the, the Bendis Pacelli comic really well. And, Two, I just think that like this captures again, like similar to what I was saying about about uh, the Raimi films, like some of the the mythos and the heart of of Spider Man. And to your point earlier too, the way that this movie works in all the various Spidey pop culture, I think yes. is genius and like perfectly executed. So that's what I was gonna say. Is my biggest takeaway is that this movie is just so fun, and it's so well executed and one of the ways it's most fun for me is in that spider-man lore yeah. because at this point now i know all those things i said like the um i know a little about the show and i know about the old movies and the new movies and the spider-man game all that stuff and it's just kind of fun to i don't know there's like easter eggs galore into the spider-man lore and again right. kind of twisting on some of that stuff and so i don't know it's, it's fun to see I noticed on this viewing, this is so dumb, like Miles has that electric touch. Well, now, I don't, again, I don't know comics, Robbie. Remember right, that? So right. like now all of a sudden on my new Miles Morales video games coming out, they advertise he's got that electric touch. So I'm like, oh, right. that must be a thing. That's so fun. Or the invisibility or the other versions of Peter Parker or, you know, how fun would it be if Peter Parker and MJ got divorced and like didn't make it work out? Like yeah. it's fun to mess with all the Spider-Man lore in Spider-Man worldness, if that makes sense. And and that's another thing that I was going to point out. Um, there's there's always this argument within, and this is getting way out of your territory here, but I'll only stay here for a second, I promise. There's this big, big argument within the Spider-Man fan community about whether or not Spider-Man should be allowed to grow up. Oh, and I can't wait to talk about that because I have to talk about that. Okay, yeah, yeah, and because I feel like that's this is an interesting MCU point as well. Because the the thing is, like in the comics, he was introduced very much as a teenager and meant to be a teenager, and that's what Stanley yep. wanted was someone that like teenage readers could relate to. But yep. that was in the early '60s, and the character like can only stay that long. And and I don't think, frankly, Stanley thought that the character was going to have the the longevity that it did. So he like moved him through high school. And into college, like pretty quickly, like within a first the first few years, and then pretty much within like comic canon world, he stayed like late twenties, pretty much ever since. 
See, this is a fascinating concept to me because we've talked about this for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and I don't want to talk too much about Homecoming, but I've told right. you two things can be true at the same time. I love Homecoming and Far From Home, and I'm also a little concerned because I want Spider-Man to grow up. Can Tom Holland yeah. play a more grown-up Spider-Man? So I don't know if that's Spider-Man... Uh, fan blasphemy what I just said because maybe some fans don't want him to ever grow up so I think yeah. Homecoming is like a perfect iteration of him being young but I like seeing older versions of Spider-Man here in this movie yeah no 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 totally that's what I was going to say like I, I love one of my favorite Spider-Man runs um, is one by um, J.M. Straczynski um, from like 2001 and it's it's about the most kind of grown up Spider-Man we get where it basically treats him like he's in his thirties and has like very adult, like he's got a a teaching job and he's like has marital problems. And it's just like, it's kind of similar to Peter B. Parker that we get in into the spider verse. And I just, I like that because it's different. Like you can only do like, like what you're saying, like I've loved homecoming and I've loved Far From Home, if we get another Tom Holland Spider-Man film where he's like kind of awkward, geeky teenager, it's going to kind of wear on me a bit, I think. Yes. Okay. We have a lot to cover with the actual film. My last thought on that note before we quick get through some of those other points is that I wrote this down. Tom Holland can take a note from Chris Pine, the first Peter Parker in this movie, yeah. and yeah. from the voice actor and the writer of the Spider-Man video game on uh-huh. the one on the one linerness nature of Spider-Man. Now, right. Tom Holland does the awkward thing so well, and this is the last time I'm going to con- compare and contrast these movies. But when when Chris Pine does like the jokes of like Doc Ock's got a something around his neck and he's still doing like fun one-liners just like the video game. That feels like the most fun version of Spider-Man and I haven't gotten that from Tom Holland yet. So John Watts can take that. Hold on. We commented in those movies that he does have some one-linerness but it could be up a step, up a notch. Like this movie makes that, uh, like reiterates that for me where I watch this and go, oh yeah, that's the feeling I want to have when Spider-Man's in a fight that's maybe not for the end of the world, let's say, right? Yeah. And yeah. one last thing, Tom Holland yeah. is a little bit at a disadvantage because he was tossed right away into like galaxy-ending events. Right. So I want him to treat those seriously, you know? It, there's just well, something about the funness yeah. of this one that I want him to get. And we still get, yeah, like you said, we still do get some some great Tom Holland stuff. I think- um, for sure, for sure. I love you know, Homecoming, but, so, yeah. No, 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 totally. But but I mean, even in terms of one-liners, but, you know, we talked about this at the time, and then we can move on, I promise, from the MCU, although that is what this podcast is about, so I think it's fine. <laughs> yeah, true. Um, it's kind of more tied in than I thought. <laughs> right. But, like, we talked about how when Tom Holland came in, everyone, or a lot of a lot of the characters we'd already been introduced to in the MCU were were super quippy and funny. And kind of overconfident. Yeah. So like they really had to figure out how to, and and that's why I think that it was so genius the way they leaned into the geekiness. However, I think the opening now that a lot of the original Avengers team is off the map, like he can kind of grow into that. And I think that's what Far From Home was trying to do. And to your point, I think, I think into the Spider-Verse, 
is just legitimately hilarious a lot of the time. Like, and that makes sense because I think Lord Miller, most of the stuff that they do is hilarious. But like, I would definitely, you know, to the extent that we're ranking, and it's it's a different kind of humor. But I would say that it's like up there with like Guardians and Ragnarok in terms of like funny superhero movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> and right. I, I, I think oh, like right. the the, <laughs> the banter is so like the banter is great in terms of the battle. Yep. But even like like whenever he's first changing the like when after he's he's like pulled Gwen's hair out and he's walking and he's like nobody knows nobody knows everybody knows and he's like looking around and it's just one girl that's like really tall and he's like wow she's super tall or like the like the same <laughs> again, scene <laughs> again it's it's a very funny movie but don't mess with my things Guardians and Thor Ragnarok are my things, Robbie. Don't don't start comparing these two, okay? I'm getting a little red in the face because I'm getting a little frustrated that <laughs> that different. was brought They're up. Different. But yes, it, it is a very funny movie. Can we also talk about the music? The music is a huge plus. It's very yeah. Guardians-like in that nature where it's yeah. a the music plays a massive role. I mean, there's tons of songs. It's just oh, kind of yeah, bang, I mean, bang, 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 bang. Well, the soundtrack and the score by Daniel Pemberton is also fantastic. Like, to the extent, I mean, like, you can... The way it flows is really great. Like, we talked about that with Black Panther as well. The way that they flow, like, the Ludwig Gornson score into the Kendrick rap stuff. And they do a similar thing here. And it makes certain moments, like, really, I would say even more so than Black Panther in terms of, like, the soundtrack element. Um, Not the score. I think the Black Panther score is better. But, like, the moment, like, the what's up danger when he's, like, taking the leap of faith there at the end. Like mm-hmm. the song adds so much to that. Um, it's it's more a better comparison than Guardians One, I think. That's the yeah, feel yeah, yeah, it gives yeah. you. You know, with how that's those true. Music, yeah, and you know, yeah, because we music. talked about that, like Tyler Bates and the yeah. Um, also, I feel like we ha- I like we have to talk about the animation itself. Very unique. Yeah, this is so Sony actually like patented this animation process. Uh, after the fact where, I mean, what they did, I think it took forever to, to actually execute, but they computer animated everything like they would for like a Pixar movie, I guess. And then had folks go back and draw on top of the computer animation. Yeah. It's almost like blurry almost. Yeah. It's this like almost like cell shaded, like old school video game kind of a vibe. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really impressive. Yeah, and it emphasizes the comic fun. That's what I was going to say. Like, even drawing in bubbles of what he's thinking. No one's looking. No one's going to know. You know, he, they draw those bubbles in. It's very unique, but it definitely works. In general, again, like I wrote that down, like it's obviously well-written. It's obviously extremely creative, clever, and well-executed in all these ways, even the, even down to the animation, you know? Um, I will say, it, I, I love the movie. At the very end, when they're all going back to their realities, I don't, it hit me like I don't really feel for the Nick Cage mm. character or the pig or the Japanese one very much. But then I realized, you know, they have a lot to do. And on this viewing, I realized they have very few lines. I right. mean, it's like you have almost no time to get connected to them. But then it's immediately contrasted by, oh gosh, I care so much uh, about right. Peter Parker who has right. divorced his wife. So, in one scene, it shows me, like, my feelings tell me how much, oh, these characters are well-developed. Maybe it could have been a little bit better. Like, I don't know that, like, I have the same tie, 
Like, for example, Groot does not have very many lines ever. Right. And yet I think I felt more for him than I ever feel for, like, Nick Cage's character or anything like that. Yeah, end. that's fair. But that line that Peter Parker says, how do I know that I won't mess it up again, is such a good right. line. And it's such a beautiful moment because he's been reluctantly teaching Miles all this time only to kind of need, like, a word from Miles to move on. And I love the beauty yeah. of that moment. So I was kind of like into the movie, but it wasn't really getting me. And then that line all of a sudden got like chills set yeah. up my spine. I was like, oh, ooh, I guess I do care about that, that line. And props to Jake Johnson for just killing that performance. Like, I, I feel like he, one, I love that Chris Pine and Jake Johnson kind of sound similar. So you can make it be the same person in alternate realities. Um, but mm-hmm. that it's like what you're saying, they like do. Chris Pine is the really confident, you know, like the kind of Perfect got it all version. together guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jake Johnson is the like kind of haggard, you know, like mm-hmm. a little overweight, whatever. And I think um, the way he like I was paying attention, just the way as as great as the writing is, the way he delivers a lot of those lines really like puts it over the top. I also wanted to say like the Nick Cage Spider-Man even if you don't have an emotional connection, yeah, those are some of my favorite lines. For the, sure, like, for sure. I love drinking egg creams and punching Nazis. Line yeah, for <laughs> always sure. gets me. Well, and I didn't say that to say like it was a huge negative. That no, was just no, 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 one no. thing I don't yeah. feel as much. But kind of tying in what we've talked about on our podcast a lot is like you don't need a ton of screen time to really make someone feel for someone. Remember we talked about that with Thor's mother? Right, And we contrasted that to some other characters. But an example of that for me is Fisk. You get one scene of his backstory, and it's like 45 seconds long. But I personally felt like it was so well done and so heartbreaking that all of a sudden you have a different side of you feeling for Fisk a little bit. It only took 45 seconds of screen time. So it's not strictly tied in or correlated with how much time you get to how effective you can be. That is a good point. I also love just the way that Liev Schreiber plays. Like, it's a very different kind of kingpin than the version that has been associated with Daredevil, um, where it's a lot... I mean, it's it's. I was going to say it's more cartoony. It's a cartoon movie. Um, but I I just feel like it's like... it It's... There's this menace to it, but yeah, you're right. Like, there's like a little bit of like underlying kind of heart there where you do kind of care about... Mm-hmm. Like you care about his motivation to some extent, and it kind of hurts whenever you see him like seeing versions of his family pop up, and knowing that he can't be with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good. It's really fun. Um, I'm gonna show my naive naivety. How do you say it? Naive? Naive? What is it? What's the word? <laughs> naivety. What the heck? I don't know. I just had a stroke live on air. Um, I'm going to show you how little I know about this by asking you a couple questions, if you don't mind, just really yeah, yeah. briefly. So, Miles, the comic character, always had electricity and invisibility? Yeah, yeah. In the the way that it's presented, it's, I mean, it's similar to here where it's a different kind of spider. So, the idea is it has, like, different properties. And so, he has basically all of Spider-Man's powers, but then these sort of extra things that they introduce. Dope. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> And then the very end of the movie, are we led to believe, I mean, they can communicate with each other somehow. Is Miles able to go back and forth between the realities? Because he talks to Spider-Gwen at the very end, the very last yeah. line. Is that, or is that just a teaser for the next movie? 
I think that's just a teaser. I mean, there's no, like, again, within the Spider-Verse mythology in the comics, they have these, like, these devices that allow them to go back and, and like, so that they, so that Marvel has an excuse to do all sorts of crossover things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think I've read that their plans for the sequel involve both expanding all the different kinds of Spider-Mans and also, like, zeroing in on the Miles Gwynn relationship. So I feel like it's a teaser in both regards. There was a little while during the writing process that they were going to make that romantic. I read, Hmm. and then they decide not to. So definitely there could be something there too. And then if they can go back and forth, can they fight? Are they friends? How's that work? You know, there's a lot to go on there. I don't know. I loved it. Do Do you have anything else about the movie that you liked or disliked? Just like... Um, just little things that, that I love as a, as like the nerd in me, like I, I like that they're trying to, they are trying to put this within a specific Marvel universe, I think, which is kind of the ultimate Spider-Man universe. And they're trying to show that Miles doesn't live in like our world. And, and so like you see all these little, like Chance the Rapper has the hat with the four on it instead of the three or like. Instead of NYPD, it's PDNY. And like, if you look at the receipt oh. when they're getting burgers, like, it's like a burger is like $11,000 or something because like the value oh. of a dollar is different. Like, all these little things they put in, even the Green Goblin being like the big monster is reminiscent yeah, right. of that universe in the comics. So, there, you know, there's some kind of shout out stuff there and just some stuff that they, you know, again, didn't have to add, but just kind of enhances the idea that like this is what it's like. Whenever whenever Peter B. Parker talks about, like, I was in New York, but it was different than my New York. Like, I like how they went about bit by bit. Like, there's, like, a Seth Rogen comedy special or something that's being advertised in Times Square that's, like, a little bit hmm. off from, like, an actual one. Um, just, like, a bunch that's of uh, small things like that that are fun, yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, the cast is, is insanely good. Mahershala, I think, makes Uncle Aaron such a lovable character that again, like what you're talking about, you really don't get that much time with him and it like really hits you whenever he dies. Um, and, and like the shoulder touch And his thing. relationship with his dad is so yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think, like I said at, at the start, I mean, it's, it's different. Um, but it, it's similar to me in the MCU to the extent that I think it does a great job of balancing kind of levity and humor with some heart moments. Um, I think the only, the only other moments I was going to mention, um, obviously the first time we see miles as Spider-Man, like fully in his suit is, is a really cool moment. We talked about how the music plays into that, but also one, one that I always, Oh, his, his his like finally, uh, realizing his Spider-Man powers is awesome for me. This is gonna be controversial for me. It gets me going more than like the "Come on, Spider Man, come on, Spider Man" moment. Oh, this yeah. was a cooler totally. moment yeah. for me when he's finally like getting it and he shows right. back up and, and he's got the black suit, which is dope, and it's spray painted. It's That's so dope. cool, and it's so cool that they set that up with the graffiti scene at the beginning, so it makes sense yes. that he would, you know, right? Yeah, yeah. But like everything it, matters. <laughs> everything matters. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so. I would the other scene that I love that's really small, but but whenever I'm talking about the balancing the the humor and the heart is like whenever they first get into the to the spider layer and 
you have Peter B. Parker looking at the picture of MJ, and you can tell it's like making him sad, and Miles notices that and intentionally makes the cape joke to kind of distract him. Like it's like little things like that that I just like mm-hmm. I don't know, it's it's great it's great writing and I feel like it just it enhances those characters again and those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, the bread all, scene with MJ is really funny to me. Yeah, the, yeah. When he finally sees her, don't talk to her. Don't. Oh, he's gone. <laughs> that was, I'm so yeah. sorry for not bringing you more bread sooner. <laughs> it's it's really really okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. oh oh, and the other thing we've talked about this some with Far From Home. Um, how in like Venice, you know, different street signs and things they they do shout outs to. Uh, to Spider-Man creators, they do that a ton in this movie. Like, if you look in the contacts in Miles' phone, they're all, like, famous Spider-Man artists and, oh, and writers. I love that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that stuff's fun. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, I think there's just not a ton of bad stuff to say about this movie. Um, it was a lot of fun to rewatch, and I understand why people voted for it. I'm not going to sit here and compare it. Like, I'm not going to make a list compared to all the other versions. But it is a really, like, you said it perfectly at the beginning. What it's trying to accomplish, it does an amazing job of accomplishing that. Yeah. Uh, Near perfect. It is really, really well done. It's a really fun movie. If you've never seen anything regarding uh, related to Spider-Man, you still might enjoy this. It's still fun. Yeah. It looks amazing. The characters are uh, well-written. It's clever. It's creative. It's funny. I love it. I think, Okay. Yeah. As always, guys, this is, is going to be a podcast episode. So if you're listening to this now, you're probably hearing it, again, like I said, out of the beautiful speakers into your beautiful ears. Classic. Um, but you can subscribe to us anywhere podcasts are found. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere. iHeart. Google Play, Stitcher, all of it. We also have a website, theffwpodcast.com. If you go to the contact section there, we get those messages and we try to respond to them. In fact, I have to still respond to one right now. Um, And we love that. We love your feedback. We love staying connected. We're super pumped about season two of our podcast. We don't know the start date yet because Disney doesn't know the start date yet. As soon as they announce it, we will have some big announcements on how that's going to work and what our season two is going to look like. So be on the lookout for that and hit us up on any social media. We're at the FFW podcast on any of them. And we try to respond, interact with you there. We love doing that. But... As always, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you next time on Friends from Work.